0: Every, yeah.
1: yeah. so every uh, year I've really enjoyed yeah. yeah. Puts on the step, goes
2: right through, puts on the step again, Oh, goes Freddy, that was magnificent stuff, well, I shall not wear them.
1: Partial skips away,
0: partial skips away, partial's still going. Mullins opens up again, oh, what at him go on the outside. Hello and welcome to another exciting episode of The Voluntary Tackle, the only NRL podcast confident it has found a vaccine for COVID-19. We're not at full human trials yet. Uh, To be honest, all we've done so far is actually infect Andrew Bolt. Um, He's not doing well, which is, I guess, progress of a kind. I'm your host, Eamon Brown, and today on the show, we'll be performing a deep dive into Project Apollo. That's the NRL's harebrained scheme to keep the greatest game of all going in the face of a countrywide lockdown. We'll also be discussing many of the weird and wonderful ideas that have been thrown on the table of the NRL Innovation Committee. But first, joining us via 1980s satellite technology are two people that have not been together on the show since their ill-fated duet of Millie Vanilli. It's Xander Rizzotto and Media Watch Mario. Welcome to the show, lads. Thanks, yeah. Amy. Now, uh, from memory, when the last time you guys were here, um, I think your big mistake when you were doing that duet was the fact you used your real voices because, of course, the real Millie Vanilli uh, mimed and faked their way through their career. Have you, have you sort of learnt a lot since then?
2: You forgot the... Um to prompt who was going to speak. But, yes, I have indeed re- remembered very well. My my singing ability being very limited, I've just decided to completely stop it.
0: Probably why you chose Milli Vanilli, in fact. But, um, Xander, why, why did you choose Mario as your singing partner? It would seem like an odd choice on an NRL podcast, by the way.
1: Uh, well, look, I just want to first of all say that I have learned absolutely nothing um, because I just thought that, you know, the performance that we put in was uh, probably worthy of an entry to Eurovision.
0: <laughs> now, look, um, we, we, before we crack into the show, I want to have a bit of a chat with you guys about how you've both been handling the lockdown. We'll probably start with you, Mario. Have you got any tips for the listeners about how to keep sane in the face of this crisis?
2: Uh, well, I think most people are using a very, very popular method of alcohol.
0: Yes, I have. Were you one of those guys panic buying at Dan Murphy's?
2: No, but I already have a pretty solid um, collection at any time. So the only thing I've bought in the time was two bottles of wine that I saw on clearance and a carton of beer.
0: That's that's very um, uh, very logical thinking in the face of this crisis. Not many people are using that. But what about you, Xander? Have you got any tips for how to keep yourself uh, mentally stimulated during this time of um, home lockdown?
1: Uh, yeah, Copious masturbation.
0: <laughs> What's the change, mate? Because before you used to do that. So you've just continued on your normal lifestyle.
1: I think I think a lockdown is a time for personal bests on any number of fronts. So, I was
0: just going to say, it is hard not to become paranoid in this weird environment now where suddenly people who weren't thinking about germs and bacteria are now thinking about it constantly when it comes to doorknobs or traffic lights or anything like that. Um, in fact, it's hard to actually keep even, you know, your normal house habits in line. The only way I've found my way around it is to normally uh, my, me and the missus have a nice romantic bath. We're still doing that, uh, but now we're doing it with pineoclean instead of hot water, um, which has been great for my mental well-being. Obviously, very bad for my private parts because uh, I badly burnt my penis last time. But I have to say I've I've enjoyed a lot of this private time by and large.
2: Could have been it could have been you know straight bleach. So you know there's always a next step.
0: <laughs> exactly mate, I, uh, things get really interesting once you've peeled back the third layer of skin from the frenulum That's when you get to the really sort of sexually explicit stuff um, But on that very topic of weird sexual fetishes, Xander, did you manage to wean yourself off that dingo porn yet?
1: <laughs> no, absolutely not, in fact I'm doubling down
0: Excellent. That's what I like to hear. I mean, that's pretty niche stuff that you're into there, especially when they um they sprawl over Chamberlain's baby. But um, I don't know if we can find a possible segue into the footy from all of this, but we'll we'll give it a try anyway.
1: You can you can you can segue by by mixing the dingo porn with the kangaroo porn, and then we can jump straight into talking about the kangaroos tour. I
0: was going
2: to say you could just point out that half the NRL players are sexual deviants anyway,
1: <laughs> and the fact that um, NRL players have had. Uh, videotaped sexual encounters with canid species before on multiple <laughs> occasions. <laughs> right.
0: Big shout out to John Monaghan, obviously. He's a big fan of the show. Get yeah,
1: your boy Mitch Pierce.
0: Exactly. I know. I, I, I used my bias there, didn't I? Because I much preferred to pick on a player that wasn't wearing red, white and blue at the time of the incident. We're going to go straight into the first topic today. Um, in this strange time of sporting drought, uh, the NRL has hinted this week that it's actually cooking up plants to relaunch the season from June. Uh, Now, the project's dubbed Apollo because the logistics appear as difficult as sending a man to the moon. The NRL's uh, Innovation Committee, headed up by one Wayne Pearce, is currently examining some of the, in quotes, extreme protocols in the hope that the game will be able to resume in a bubble from June. This is the word that's been used a lot, a bubble. Um, The most touted option here is the idea of taking the entire competition to an island off Queensland, thousands of male NRL players all on one island. What could possibly go wrong? Xander, let's start with you. Do you like the idea of the NRL playing on an isolated island, a la the plot from Jurassic Park two?
1: Yes, uh, and for a number of reasons. Because I think, well, one, I mean, they're not going to be at very much risk um, uh, because there will be nobody around who's who's got the virus, so there won't be any chance of getting it. But two, I mean, you could you could you could merge these two ideas. You could have Football and basically Survivor in one program.
0: So you're saying you have the your on-field stuff, and then you'd have them doing sort of very dangerous exploits off the field.
1: Yeah, you know, like I mean, so you, you play your game of footy, and then after the match, every like for maybe like a bonus point, you don't just get your, your two points, but every team has to say eat a scorpion's tail, for example, like and it. the team who gets through them the fastest gets maybe an extra point.
0: Oh, they can actually earn competition points. That is innovative. And, you know, it's funny you mentioned the word survivor there because for a lot of women out at Penrith, they call that the off-season. Um, probably go to you next, Mario. Um, this plan, do you think it would include relocating the players' families as well or are they thinking of just putting players on their own on this island?
2: Oh, I think it would definitely have to include the families, but I've got got—I've got a few thoughts on this, to be honest. I mean, for, for a start... Uh, The overall positive of it is the NRL would be in complete control of everything that comes in and out. So we know that the Newcastle Knights traditionally have only been successful with copious amounts of drugs in their system. So without any drugs available, they would definitely not be winning. So we can rule out them. So I like that for a start. Love it. Second, I think... If you're talking about Apollo, I want to see them just do it all properly and go play on the moon. Imagine the no tackle in mid-air rule <laughs> with Daniel Tupo jumping about, what, 18 feet in
0: the air. He's actually a fair point. <laughs> to be fair to him, he, uh, he does get that kind of air uh, on terra firma. But I actually love the idea. But, you know, I guess the logistics there again, Mario, might be a little bit difficult because they'd all have to wear spacesuits and all that kind of thing, wouldn't they?
2: Okay, then I have an alternative option because if you're on some island off Queensland, it's a bit too close, it's a bit too easy for, you know, for some sneaky people to get over there or something. You don't want there to be any contamination. They need a proper remote island. I would like to nominate Macquarie Island because the only history Macquarie Island has is with throwing penguins into a blender. There's basically no people there and it would be a fantastic nice cold climate So it'd be like playing in Canberra. Oh, hang on. I didn't think that one through too well. (laughs) Screw Canberra.
0: Sorry, I have to go and rewind back here, Mario, for just a a second. Penguins thrown in a blender. Have I missed a memo here? That sounds like something Pete Evans would eat. What's going on there?
2: Oh, this was a particularly dark time in Australia slash British history where um, penguin oil was very popular and certainly high on price and penguins being these timid things that just walk up to humans and say hello and the humans would say hello back and just throw them into these huge big um, things that basically blended the penguins up to just reduce them down to oil.
0: I don't know about you but um, I'm getting hungry I'd love to see that with a bit of teriyaki sauce. I was just going to say that got
1: really dark real quick but I guess everyone has a different reaction. I thought it was dark. You thought it was an appetizer. Um,
0: <laughs> in fact, I'm actually quite fussy, so I was just lying my ass off, really. I only eat probably two animals' tops, um, and I have a fairly narrow view. In fact, you're quite well-ventured in that area, Xander. You, you just, basically, you don't, you'd don't eat anything that has parents.
1: I've eaten some obscure foods before. I mean, I always take the view I'll try anything. Well, I mean, I'll try most things once. There are a few things I won't eat. I won't eat dog. Um, but uh, I probably wouldn't eat bats, given the current climate. What about whale? <laughs> I've eaten whale because I, I, I was in Japan uh, for a, a time. Um, just because I was curious what the fuss was about and why it was such a big deal. Turns out it's not really that nice.
0: Oh, Xander, when it comes to eating whale, is it sort of the same thing with the lobster? Did you have to choose it from a tank?
1: <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. Crazy! The real estate in Japan is is too expensive for that. I, I, I hate to say
0: it. <laughs> just... I'll have that one over there. Where is it? It's 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 four k's off the point. Can I have that one, please? That'll be amazing.
2: Six thousand kilometers south in the Southern Ocean.
0: <laughs> it looks sprightly and delicious. I'll have that on my uh, as my main course, please. Um, Xander, look, I'm going to ask you the next one, mate. Morton Island apparently is the island in question. I hear uh, that's potentially earmarked for the destination they'd be playing all of these games. It's it's made a short list. There are others as well. I, I did some research because obviously the voluntary tackle, we very much uh, dot all of our I's and cross our T's and uh, masturbate on the Q's uh, here at the show. And uh, I had a look at some of the images on Google Images. There's not a lot of infrastructure in this place. It's basically beach and a national park. Do we even know if there's a football field here? You're normally quite well versed when it comes to this kind of stuff. Do you think that this has any of the facilities to actually house Rugby League, or will they have to build it all?
1: Well, this is why it's got that strong survivor element to it, right? Um, you know, <laughs> maybe maybe they have to build their own posts. Maybe maybe that is part of the scoring system. But I actually, it wasn't just the island. I believe that the plan, the Apollo plan, correct me if I'm wrong, was to actually split it into a few different quadrants to, to kind of create a bit of resilience in case there's a breakout in any one spot. So you've got like four... Uh, potential conferences and maybe you, you lock one group in at Olympic Park, for example, um, and uh, another group in, on this island and another group uh, somewhere else. So I, I thought there was actually a bit more to it rather than just taking them all to one island.
0: Well, yeah, look, I think this is a fairly open and fluid conversation. So I have got that. Uh, we'll probably delve into that in a bit of detail in a second. But you're, you're quite right. I think the idea might be to split up um, the competition potentially into four conferences. So we will talk about that. Uh, it's all about mitigating the risk, obviously, because if all of the players are on one island and, and there happened to be an outbreak, um, that could be horrendous. It's
1: not just the outbreak. I mean, if they're on an island, there's, there's a whole range of other risks as well. I mean, if they're all there, I mean, you know, tsunamis could be a thing.
0: Do you imagine? I mean, what are the odds that you could lose an entire competition? Mario, I like... Xander touched on an interesting idea there, and I want to get your thoughts on it. He thinks there should be a bit of a DIY uh, element uh, to infrastructure building on the island do you think that could be good pre-match entertainment that watch players actually try to construct the field you'd probably have you know Dally terry evans doing manual labor for the first time in his life he'd be trying to mow the in goal area and probably getting it all wrong
2: i think it could be quite useful to give them some necessary life skills that you know most of them probably don't have if the comp may indeed only last a week or two and then nrl's dead they'll all go out, need to go out and get a job so you know, Daily Cherry Evans can start up his own plumbing firm. And, you know, I'm I'm sure Curtis Scott could be what he'd get into MMA, I suppose, because he likes punching people.
0: Yeah, I think he's already practicing for that. Um, Look, and, and, you know, the funny thing about the island, I don't know about you guys, but the first thing that occurs to me is uh, NRL players going to an island hasn't really worked out in the past. Um, We know from numerous trips to Bali uh, that player behavior has ended up poorly. Should we be steering away from islands altogether, Xander?
2: I don't think you know what Australia is at the moment, Amen. You realise it's an island.
0: Mario, how dare you throw geography in my face like that?
1: I think, I think tropical islands probably aren't the best moves. Uh, but um, yeah. at the same time, if there's nothing else there.
0: I mean, would they have been better off moving the whole competition to an island with a football field? I guess is my point. I mean, I don't know if you guys have had a look. It's quite rugged terrain. It looks very idyllic, um, as you said, if you're Bear grills, But I think you're going to have to do a lot of groundwork uh, to get all of the fixtures there. But look, again, I, I, my, my, my hat goes off to Peter Valandis with these kind of ideas. Murray, I want to throw to you now, let's talk worst-case scenarios. Now, Xander alluded before to this uh, all horribly going awry if a player does indeed test positive to COVID-19. Now, obviously, if they're all on the same island, it could be you know the mother of all nightmares – Um, do you foresee this four-conference system being the way that we should push the game forward? Because I think there probably is fraught with danger to have everyone in the one spot.
2: A four-conference system is just a stupid idea in general, though, because there's only 16 teams. You'd need to have four conferences. You've got to have at least, what, 32 teams to make it a viable thing.
0: Okay, I love love where your head's at. Should we just suddenly found another, like, 32 clubs?
2: No, definitely not. Because I hate the idea of a, of four conferences. I'm, if, if we're going to have a conference system, I'm perfectly okay with two, just not the one that seems to be widely proposed of one Sydney team with all the out-of-Sydney teams. That's just the dumbest thing I think I've just about ever heard in my life.
0: All right, Xander. So Mario's a big fan of the concept. What about you?
1: Yeah, I'm on the record um, as not really liking the idea of a conference system for the same reason, because I don't think there's a a clever way you can do it, not only the competition is large enough, it's it's too ugly the way the split would occur.
0: But here's the thing, right, we are unfortunately in strange times, so I, ordinarily I would agree with you guys that uh, a conference system sucks, but we, we have to find a way uh, if this competition is to resume by, say, June, we probably do need to find innovative and novel ways to get the competition started again, and it needs to probably check a number of boxes, safety being number one, right? So, I think the idea of having players, not all in the one location is a sound idea. And I, I can't think of another way it would work other than conferences, would it?
2: I can, I, I don't see why you need conferences. If you're gonna, whatever time frame you set to get the comp going again, you just get every single player, every family member is going to be there, every Foxtel workout, like cameraman and whatever. Commentators don't need to be there. They can do it remotely. So every single person that's going to be there goes there and stays. That's it. They do not leave. And the only pe- person that ever comes and goes from that entire area is a truck driver delivering food. There should be absolutely no reason for anyone to go in. So you send them all there, lock them up in houses, quarantine them for the necessary two weeks to be sure that no one's got anything and then you just go nuts you close all the, the roads in and out apart from one for a truck driver no one else is allowed in you, ma- you make it work I, there's no there should be absolutely no risk in that circumstance of an infection and of a of someone catching it unless it comes in on the grocery somehow because it can sit on products i suppose that's about the only danger i could see
0: mm, so just one Maybe, contaminated yeah. eggplant could ruin everything. Look, um, I, I look, I look. I see what you're saying, Mario, and, and you're talking about putting players in extreme lockdown and, and preventing the risk of contamination. In fact, you're probably describing a perfect pre-season protocol that the NRL should have had indefinitely in place. But Wayne Pearce is on the record this week. He said that um, an regular testing for COVID-19 would be at the heart of any plan. Are there any other measures that you guys think the NRL would need to implement if they went ahead with this? Obviously, regular testing makes a lot of sense, so long as they can actually get access to resources there and get the testing kits. Is there anything else that the NRL might be missing in terms of making sure we avoid disaster here? I'll start with you, Xander.
1: I mean, the tricky thing is that they're going to have to have a contingency plan if something does go wrong. There's always that sort of black swan scenario that something goes wrong. So they're going to be on an island and somebody gets the disease regardless. Um, you know, like speaking seriously, they wouldn't need to uh, have uh, confidence that the medical facilities of the island um, could support it, or they could get them back to the mainland very quickly. And they probably also you know should be investing in their own ventilators, frankly. Uh, just in case, because you don't want to be clogging up the public system. It would be something that would just be a a publicity nightmare for the competition if they hadn't got their own facilities to look after their own people.
2: Well, to me, the only thing that would be a bigger disaster than you know the players catching it and the competition ending would be Melbourne Storm winning the grand final. So all they have to do is just put something in place to stop that happening. I'm good with whatever happens.
0: I'd love that. In fact, they did that a few years ago. It's called the uh, salary cap. I'm glad they put that in place and stopped them from winning. Look, thankfully, I've actually heard the NRL will step in uh, if a breach happens and actually transport players back to the mainland via boat. And, and a big shout out to the Ruby Princess for putting their hands up to assist. Um, would they? Do you guys think that they'd let Bryce Cartwright onto the island? Now, he is riddled with disease. Surely that'd be part of the risk mitigation.
2: There's no vaccine for it yet. anyway. It's only once, once a vaccine comes out and that everyone is allowed to go free that that's when we need to lock up the Frank Winnersteins and Bryce Cartwright to the world because they'll be the only people left still trying to spread it, just doing their best to just weed out the moronic.
0: I love it. And, you know, when you said there's no vaccine, I thought you were going to say there's no vaccine for Bryce Cartwright. And I would have picked you up on that. I would have said, yes, if his mum got an abortion. What about you, Xander? Is there anything there in terms of um, preventing Bryce Cartwright from entering the island? Would that be a sound idea?
1: I mean, do you really need to... Have him and prevent him from getting into the island. I think putting him onto a football field is basically all you need to do to nullify him.
0: <laughs> it's very nullified, especially on goal line D, I've noticed. Now, look, we talked a lot about on the field here, fellas, but what about off the field? I'd imagine this island would need to have some kind of infrastructure set up to provide the players with entertainment, do you think? Would, would the NRL also have to set up those kind of facilities to stop players from getting bored? I'll probably start with you, Mario.
2: I mean penrith would certainly need you know some sort of a groupie system or a brothel in place so the question is though if there's no buzz rothfield you know on a seventh floor balcony taking telescopic photos of them has it even really happened
0: it's a bit like the tree falling in the woods proverb isn't it um you know if the panthers got together with an unwilling female participant was it really rape i guess we wouldn't know only confucius would know what about you xander have you got any thoughts on that
1: no, I think you should just leave them to it. Like I said, I think just, just let them pass their time on the island. I mean, if it means that they have to masturbate into a coconut, um, I think it's probably a good learning experience for them.
2: Or it'd be like prison and that is all enough fucking each other.
0: <laughs> Precisely.
2: I mean, who says no to David Clemmer?
0: You know, if you said no, you'd stand no chance. He's a mountain of a man. You'd certainly need a, a Maccas for Joey Lelua for a start, wouldn't you? Like There there are players that would need certain things on the island to exist. I can't imagine the likes of Joey Lelua surviving on an island off a strict diet. I, I, in fact, I think you're quite right, Mario. Someone like Joey, I think, would be forced to go towards cannibalism. Or he'd
2: be the next immortal because he'd actually have the, a good diet for the first time in his life. He'd, he'd think, oh, if I can't go to Maccas, I may as well train. And before you know it, he'd actually... Reaches potential, and the Tigers might manage to even achieve ninth this year.
0: I tell you what, um, any Tigers fans listening, oh, I was disgusted with Joey Lalua in that last game against Newcastle. I don't know what did you guys think of that? I've never seen a defensive performance that bad in my life. I've watched a lot of football in my life to the point where he actually wasn't trying. You know how people say, kind of proverbially, that oh that that guy put his hands up and he wasn't trying. Joey Lalua actually did that in that game. Xander, did you, did you notice that?
1: Yeah, it was a tad um, Quade Cooper in rugby, you know, reminded me a little of that, where he just kind of stopped shorter players and kind of had that look like, yeah, I'm not going to do that.
0: Yeah, it was really bizarre. I mean, his brothers played really well. Luciano, I thought, has been very strong the first two games, but Joey just hasn't given a shit. Maybe he realises that the... The uh, the virus was about to besiege the comp and he just was thinking ahead of everyone. I'm not sure.
2: I, I thought he was trying to get himself a contract at Brisbane to play fullback since Darius won't be there.
0: What do you guys think of Darius so far playing at centre? He's been invisible, so kind of perfect
2: really. The ball, the, the, their opposition hasn't been good enough to, to test
0: him basically. I think he's been the quietest of all the outside backs but I've actually think because all the the backs are actually playing quite well. Um, you haven't noticed how bad he is. <laughs> what, what do you reckon, Xander, on that front?
1: So, uh, I mean, I, I agree that their opposition hasn't been fantastic, but um, he's been less shit than I've seen him in a number of years. Um, like, he hasn't been a standout, but he hasn't he hasn't been. I mean, like in the last couple of years, he's he's been like Lua, Frankly, it wasn't that game last week where he just looks like he didn't want to be there. I actually thought that was the first last couple weeks the first times uh, first. Um, matches in a long time where I actually saw him trying and making cover tackles. (laughs) He just kind of looked like he was a passenger all of the last few years.
0: Very much playing for his entire future at this stage because um, I think his whole ambition was to see out the season and thanks to a global pandemic, he just might do that. Look, we also went to social media and asked our listeners the same question. Should the NRL attempt to play on in isolation from June? And 65% said yes. Um, So it looks as though people are starved for sport and they want it to continue. Did you guys predict that that was the sort of zeitgeist of rugby league that most people would say, yeah, stuff the virus, let's play on?
2: Uh, I think any fan is going to want to say yes, because if it is theoretically possible, we all want to watch real games rather than just, you know, watching Break the talk about an old game that no one wants to hear his voice at any point.
0: Xander, what have you made of that? Obviously, a lot of the sporting programs, including us, let's throw ourselves in that same basket, uh, are continuing to operate, but obviously there isn't any um, sport going on to actually commentate on. So people have have been fairly creative, although I've noticed the people down at Fox haven't been as creative, uh, and a lot of their programming consists of Paul Kent watching horse races. How have you found their coverage so far? (laughs)
1: i've turned it off so (laughs) probably gives you a fair indication i mean like they've just gone to their old playbook which is um generally speaking bagging the sport um and trying to drive its price down for the next tv rights negotiation but uh i wasn't terribly surprised that 65 percent um wanted it back on in fact i was probably expected it to be a little bit higher if you take um the view that this was going to be something designed purely to um, have the game run at a at a close to zero risk environment. Just shows how starved people are for the sport. I mean, everyone I know who is, is depressed about the fact that there's not there's not even any footy to watch on the weekend while we're all trapped at home.
0: Especially Australia, obviously we're a fairly sport obsessed nation, but even obviously globally, this is a a global thing that everyone's been starved of sport. Horse racing in Australia being the only thing that, for some reason, has continued despite jockeys having to be in close quarters of each other. Uh, But look, we have got a few comments which might illuminate uh, below this poll. Uh, Jimbo at Cruise at Jamie underscore 83 said, yes, 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 get it on ASAP. Uh, He put three yeses, guys, so he's serious about that. Um, Matt Perkins also said, how do you get the New Zealand Warriors into the country in view of the ban of international residents? Is Volandi going to smuggle them in on a fishing boat? Um, I'll throw this over to you, Mario. How do the Warriors get in with this ban? I assume they must have some kind of exemption.
2: I mean, I would just assume there was an exemption, but those Kiwis are, you know, while Jacinta's been getting everyone locked down nice and early before she probably even needed to, I suspect she's actually been building a secret tunnel from New Zealand to Australia because it's just five minutes away, right? And they're all going to come through there and just appear and say, surprise, surprise, brah. Terrible it's Kiwi accent,
0: wow. As if we need an extra way to leak New Zealand people into the country, Mario. It's hard enough keeping them out as it is. We also had another comment here, which is interesting, boys. Um, this comes from Scott H, and he's clearly urinating on our party here. By the way, big shout out, Scott. I'm not having a direct go at you, by the way. He says, sorry, guys, I just can't seem them being allowed to. I'm hearing July is when there will be a better picture of the state of things. Xander, has Scott H been unbearably too logical there?
1: Um. You know, I, I, it's it's hard to know. Like without without complete information, uh, it, it's just really difficult to make that sort of judgment. <clears throat> uh, I think um, the the way that cases have sort of dropped in Australia, like after the lockout protocols, suggests to me that maybe it is realistic. Like, I mean, I know it's going there's gonna be a ramp up. There's a significant lag time. We went from what fifty odd cases to five thousand, but the numbers are stabilizing pretty quickly. So I, I think that there probably is a case where. Um, A little different to some other jurisdictions. Um, Our um, testing regime is more robust. Um, Our healthcare system is probably a little stronger than some of the worst hit countries. Uh, So there is a chance that we could, say, follow the Swedish model and and, um, lower the restrictions somewhat.
0: That's really odd in Sweden, isn't it? They've hardly put any lockdown restrictions in place. But look, guys, I will finish with the most profound comment underneath our poll, and it comes from Michael Skripia, who just said, rugby league. More after this. Welcome back to the Voluntary Tackle. Now, uh, Wayne Bennett, uh, we talked about this a little bit before, about this idea of conference system, but uh, Wayne Bennett apparently has been at the forefront of pitching an idea to organise teams into two conferences. Now, um, I think the template that Bennett has put forward is um, North Queensland, Brisbane, Gold Coast, Newcastle, Canberra, Melbourne and New Zealand in one – along with all Sydney clubs in the other, uh, where apparently each one Sydney club takes turns or something going into the other conference. Oh, are you okay there, Xander? I think you're dying. Sorry.
1: (laughs) Sorry, Was that the
0: bull terrier again? That was was a bit of both. That's all right. For the listeners at home, you don't know this, but um, Xander's currently getting fellatio off a bull terrier, which we've always said to him, don't do that during the show because it's really unprofessional. But he... He continues anyway. I guess that's what sexual addiction is. Um, But look, I I just want to know from you guys, I'll probably start with you, Mario, because I know you've got some pretty definite thoughts on this system. Do you think a a conference system could work if it was just in two and not four?
2: In theory. First, I just want to point out, I think the reason why his bull terrier is attacking him so much is actually because he's jealous about this whole dingo porn thing.
0: That that often is the way with, with dogs, I've found. Um, They get very jealous of other dogs' sexual prowess.
1: They're they're a possessive species, what can you say?
0: Well, Mario, can this work? I mean, is this, by the way, we've given a prescription here, which is Wayne Bennett's idea. Now, he has been hammering this home for years. I feel like this is more like opportunism (coughs) for him because I think he's looking for any old excuse to introduce the conference system. But in terms of the division, would you have it divided into Sydney teams and the rest or have you got another recipe when it comes to that?
2: Definitely another recipe. I mean, if you're doing a system, a permanent conference system, where I presume you're having, you play every team in your conference twice, every other team once, which I think from memory works out to 22 games, um, 23 maybe, something like that. I think it's Don't 23 it games. Don't
1: make scenario. You know about the ground rules.
2: Yeah, whatever. It's in that 20 range anyway. So it gives you a nice good number. Perhaps we could then have standalone origin three times as well by having just a couple of fewer rounds. So that would work. So I get that logic behind the conference system. But if you've got to play every team twice and all you've got to do is travel around Sydney, well, how much of an economic disadvantage and a time disadvantage is that for all the out-of-Sydney teams? It's an utterly ridiculous system. You've got to have something where it's relatively even. So to me, an obvious thing would be to do something like a north East split where you've got the three Queensland teams and Newcastle, uh, making up four teams with, say, Manly, East, South, Cronulla being the four East teams. And that way you've got eight being half Sydney, half out. And then the other would be, what, five from Sydney if you, or the account the Dragons could be sort of out of Sydney. But, you, you know, you've got five of Sydney plus the Warriors, the Storm and the um, Raiders. So that way at least it's more of an even split in terms of flying around... You know, just wasting time on travel and indeed expense of all that travel. Just catching a bus to ANZ Stadium every week would be such a huge advantage for all the Sydney teams.
0: This is the thing, isn't it? Because this whole idea is meant to be implemented to stop travel, I'd imagine. Um, so I'm, I'm imagining even with your split there, there'd just be two set locations where they would isolate one half of the comp and they'd isolate the other half of the comp. Is that how you see it, Xander?
1: Yes, I mean, I, I like, completely agree with, with what Mario said. I've echoed similar sentiments in, in previous episodes. I think you, you you just end up creating a huge advantage if that were a normal conference. But in this particular scenario, yeah, you're right. Like They would, they would locate them. They wouldn't be travelling to or from home grounds. They would be in one specific location each. I still don't really like the idea of having all Sydney versus all um, the uh, sort of one uh, city team sides. Um, I think it is smarter to split them up
0: so that's what Mario's prescribing. Mario's essentially yeah. dividing up the Sydney teams. You'd see something a little bit more along those lines.
1: Yeah, no, I think that I think it's a better way of doing it. I think there is something a little bit, uh, it's a little bit uneven trying to trying to split it up that way, and it, it kind of makes it a Sydney versus the rest thing. it also just means that there's no absolutely no chance of getting a. a, a like an all-Sydney grand final, which, you know, I'm philosophically against.
0: Or it also rules out the chance of having an entirely non-Sydney grand final as well.
1: Yes, that's true. That's true. Um, And and with this, by splitting it up the way Mario's described, you could actually get an entirely non-Sydney grand final as well. Um, So I, I think that, to me, makes it a little bit more of an appealing system for that reason.
0: Guys, should it be graded? Obviously, if you're going to split up the competition and get this thing started in June or July... Is there a sort of a need to make sure that each pool is roughly even on the basis of talent and how well the the team is going, rather than just geographical position? Because, you know, I'm just thinking at the moment we kind of know who the heavyweights are and who the the non contenders are. Could we have a scenario if we don't pay attention to those bits of criteria that we have a really weak pool where a, a sort of a fairly mediocre team makes the grand final? Is that is that an unfounded fear, Mario?
2: Well, if it depends on what the seeding is. If you look at it on current, if you had, say, top eight in one pool, bottom eight in another pool, that puts Manly and the Roosters in the easy group. So I don't think either of us would mind that.
0: I did think about it. I thought, I love the pool system with the four pools. So long as the shittest team are playing the Roosters, I'd love the sort of Bulldogs and the Titans and the Warriors to be ours. Then I'm all for it. I don't know if you feel the same way, Xander.
1: I think it's a, a, a double-edged sword. I think actually if you're... Um... In that pool, and then you end up going into a like a sort of truncated final series and knockout series um, against a team that's had to, that has made it out of a tough pool. Then you're in deep shit. Um, so yeah, you get out of it, but you might be out in the first week.
0: It it strikes me as being a bit like um, like having that special pool, you know, inverted commas, like the, the special table at a wedding, you know, the one where, you know, no one wants to associate with those particular guests. We could certainly have a team a pool made up of teams that no one really ever wants to play because they're really shit.
2: What the hell was your wedding like?
0: Mate, this doesn't apply to my wedding. We virtually invited no one for that very reason. Uh, the, the The really shitty table at my wedding was my parents'. Uh, which is a bit of a problem. Um, look, boys, I'll start with you again Xander. Should teams be selected at random, potentially, so we know that there's not going to be any kind of meddling of the books or trying to, I guess, over-engineer what these two pools should look like? Should we be drawing them out of a lotto machine?
1: I mean, if I were going to suggest any way to do it, I'd probably, you would probably want to focus it on pools that maintain uh, key rivalries, right? So you would ideally want, say, you know, South and the Roosters in one pool. You'd want to have, you'd want to have uh, the Cowboys and and Brisbane and Melbourne in, in in their own pool for for that reason potentially. Uh, well, I mean, Melbourne, Melbourne, their their rivalry isn't so much with Brisbane these days, more with us, um, them and them in Canberra really at the moment. Uh-huh. <clears throat> <clears throat> yes, Murray. Well, Melbourne's I mean, main you know, rivalry
2: was with Manly. Come on.
1: I mean, it was ten years ago, um, <laughs> but lately, <laughs> lately, um, yeah, less so. I think. I think. I think. Actually, funnily enough, they're, they're, it, when you look at the record books, it's it's really weird. Um, they've got a, a positive win record against almost everybody. One of the one of the teams that that is bizarrely a bogey team for them is Canterbury. Um, Canterbury actually are basically on an equal footing on on win losses, so, which is which is weird. Um, Like even in even in the last decade, they've done reasonably well against them,
0: which is really unusual, right? Because normally a stiff breeze beats the dogs. Like they very they struggle against most teams. So for the uh, the professional machine that is the Melbourne Storm to be losing to them regularly is quite unusual. And what about Mario? I need to throw back to you, mate. This idea of randomness could you see it a bit like you know when they used to do not that any of us remember but when they did conscription during the vietnam war they they pulled out people's birth dates out of a lotto a lotto ball machine should that be the way that the nrl decides which teams are in which pool that way people know that there hasn't been any meddling and there's no such thing as a stacked deck
2: Come on, this is NRL. Everybody has a conspiracy theory on everything. (laughs) So people would still believe it was rigged no matter what. Oh, my team's up against that team. It's not fair.
0: Do you know what I'd love to see, boys? I'd love to see a a lotto machine. Obviously, you can't just have 16 balls because that's like a pretty shitty lotto machine. So you just chuck in a whole bunch of other provincial teams. So you just roll it and you have no idea what's going to come out. It could be like the Brisbane Broncos versus Yorkies knob.
2: I want to see them bring back Pluck a Duck for for the draw.
0: I hope so too, mate, because um, he's a rabid alcoholic these days because he's got nothing to do. So I certainly hope they employ Pluck-a-Duck more after this. Welcome back to the Voluntary Tackle. Now, one Andrew Voss, famed for having a a fairly annoying voice and dressing up in uh, ridiculous gear in the late 90s on the footy show, but he also has come up with a few ideas in the midst of this COVID-19 crisis. And one of them that he's calling for this week has been the implementation of 20-minute quarters uh, when and if the NRL does resume later in the year. Now, the reason for this would be uh, to create a means to have more sponsorship opportunities in the game because, obviously, there's a major revenue shortfall for the NRL. Um, Do we like it? I'm going to start with you, Mario. Do we like this as a concept?
2: I hate it as a concept, although I'm not even sure why. But uh, with all all this um, mostly bullshit hype around... The idea of oh we've got to have fewer interchanges get the little bloke back into the game as if the little bloke ever just magically disappeared but isn't having more breaks and longer breaks just gonna give make them all more rested and just make the tamalolos of the world even more destructive and the you know the billy slaters of the world less effective
0: Xander, this is exactly my point i think mario summed it up perfectly I, i hate this idea for that very reason i think the NRL has struggled with ways to actually create more attrition in the game, um, trying to get less stoppages. Uh, This obviously flies in the face of that, right? We're creating more breaks for players to catch their breath and the little guys in the game to become a little bit more uh, redundant. What are your thoughts on that?
1: Well, I mean, if I can just uh, pick up on what Mario said before, I I do agree. I would say, though, that um, the village leaders of the world are less affected anyway at the moment because they're trying to be uh, well, I mean, they're in the commentary box, so they can't really do much on the field.
0: We never ever respect Billy Slater. Let's put that out there for the record.
1: <laughs> just a uh, just as a point of order, um, yeah. I, similarly, I, I can't stand it. I'm on the record. I responded to it. I thought uh, it's a bit of a silly way to try and generate more income by just adding another ad break. I thought, well, you know, I mean, it's also to me kind of feels like the end of the wedge, um, where it's a, you, you very quickly kind of get into, I think. Um, you know, like, almost mission creep with the advertising stuff. I mean, like, I kind of wonder where it ends if you, you know, jam in more ads by making a, uh, the game quarters. I mean, do you, do you force all the players to, to wear sort of a luminescent green so you can project ads directly onto them? Um, I don't
0: know. <laughs> I love that idea, actually. I think that's a way better idea than Vossies. to be completely honest. Look, could it could this work... If we had the quarters were only very short, if they were literally five minutes, because we know that halftime at the moment is roughly twenty minutes. It used to be ten back in the day, but they're obviously jamming in a lot more ads these days. Could this be a viable idea, Mario? If we just made them very short stoppages as quarters? Look,
2: what they really need, if you're going to have a halftime, don't you've got to have something at halftime that's competitive. So you don't need to have quarters. You just need to have a running, you know, a mascot running race every every halftime or something on the lines or. And something that they allow us to bet on, put the odds up, you know, sports better, whomever else. And that way, all the all the the you know the betting revenue flows through and those advertisers are then happy. Playing for the Manly Manly Seagulls today is Igor and he's sponsored by blah, blah, blah. And you keep, you know, you talk on all that. You've made the money back. Problem solved.
0: I think you're an ideas man, Mario. And I do love the idea that uh, we need to squeeze in more sports betting because... At the moment, obviously Australia has a major problem when it comes to gambling, but at the moment, the poor buggers, they can't really indulge in their habit because there aren't any sports really to bet on. In fact, I don't know if you guys know this, but the sports bet are currently running options to bet on weather, quite literally. Not not the phrase, but you can actually bet on whether or not there's going to be a southwesterly bluster in Ballarat. It shows you that just the level of gambling issues that this country has Xander, what do you think of Mario's idea of actually filling these five-minute gaps with things we can bet on, like mascot races?
1: I mean, you know, my thoughts. My, I'm, not, I'm not terribly in favour of things will increase gambling opportunities. I'm not the biggest fan of it.
0: Do you know what? I actually won a 20 that you'd actually say that. I couldn't believe it. I got odds of four to one that you'd say that.
1: I prefer it over the, um, I prefer it over the idea of splitting the game into quarters. Um, yeah, you know, if, you, if you're looking for extra ways to generate revenue, then sure. Um, yeah, maybe maybe put, put a um put a mascot race at each half time, uh, do a few things like that. Jeez, it'd be fun actually, you know. The mascot races thing would be a fun thing at least.
2: Actually I've got it. I've got it. Instead of we don't need I mean mascots can still be in there, but we can because um Australian rugby union will be dead and there'll be all these crappy rugby players who are, you know, completely lacking in the ability to tackle but still can run. So we'll just use washed up rugby players for half time
1: entertainment.
0: As in perhaps throwing them to the lions? Like the Roman Coliseum. I love it. I know that we're all talking about this being the major issue with this is stoppages, right? So being a solutions-based podcast occasionally, I was wondering if maybe we could actually, I guess, compensate for those extra gaps by eliminating stoppages in other areas. So for example, we're all talking about the budget changing for the NRL. Maybe we should be looking at scrapping the video ref. Maybe we should be looking at you know, getting those kind of uh, stoppages out of the game where pe- people stop for injuries, for example. Is there a way we could maybe get the quarters in but and, and therefore get the sponsorship dollars, but look at other areas we could speed the game up, Mario?
2: Well, I have, a, I have a suggestion that could be serious, but it's probably stupid. And people, listeners might then tell me that I'm stupid, but we could just double down on the streaming content with NRL's own... Um, streaming service and actually just produce its own content and bypass Foxtel and whomever else as well because if there's that much money to be made in advertising the product then just advertise directly on their own sites and cut out the middleman I just don't know if they'd have the money to get that sort of infrastructure set up in the full way that would be necessary now
1: they they have actually explored that. Um, yeah, it, it is one of those things that the infra the infrastructure required to um, uh, manage a, a full broadcast uh, of a major sport is kind of a volume business. You do you do kind of. I mean, it works for Fox because they they broadcast so much stuff, um, and but partially that's due to the fact that you you have to have so much of it around the country. You need to have you need to have assets in a lot of places. For something like this, actually, I wonder if the cost could be brought down because you're really managing a limited number of locations. Um, and, uh, you know, Fox have just fired a fuck ton of people, so you probably get a few reporters cheap. Um, not to be cynical about it. So maybe, maybe this is a moment to explore that. Maybe there's a bit of stuff going on the cheap. I know when they looked at that, that idea earlier that, yeah, it was, seemed to be out of, out of scope. But um, a crisis like this might actually give them, give them a chance to give it a shot.
0: I love the idea of even, yeah, bringing in streaming services from overseas, from markets that aren't even very familiar with Rugby League. I know that there have been conversations going on with ESPN and a, and a whole host of other streaming yeah, services. They're super
1: keen. Um, they had actually, they spoke to Dave Smith back in the day, so they've had, they've had a history of it. Um, so you, they're looking for content. If the game can get up and running, um, they might be able to to lend some of their digital heft to it.
0: Mario... Yeah. Have you got any other ideas for us as to how we can attract more sponsorship dollars?
2: I very much do. If we're looking at getting ESPN on board and we're wanting to expand to America, presumably, we've obviously um, pretty much used up alcohol to a large degree. We've got rid of cigarettes. We've exhausted sports betting. So I think the next big frontier in America would be guns. Just get the NRA to sponsor us.
1: This sounds like a very um, aiming idea, actually. I mean, he, you, he's, he's mentioned getting semi trailers involved on the field.
2: I thought it sounded like a Chip Jones
1: idea. <laughs>
0: Big shout out to Chip Jones.
1: Big shout out to Chip Jones. <laughs> yeah, you're right, actually. It's a bit more Chip I think Jones.
0: Chip Jones is a doomsday prepper, so he'd be safe right now. Um, look, I don't know about this, guys. I'm going to lay it on you. It's a bit of an out of out of the box idea, but I was thinking if we can't do the in between quarter advertisements, maybe we could actually instruct players to do sort of quick actions to camera um, that might be promoting certain brands. So, for example, Dally Cherry Evans could be feeding a scrum before he just looks up at the camera and goes, "Mm, mmm, finger-licking good. Things like that. I know that sounds a bit innovative and a bit weird. Um, I'm sure he says that on the weekend regardless of KFC. But what I'm saying is, you know, you could have players doing that as part of their contract. You know, you can earn 5% commission if, for example, I don't know, Corey Norman scores a try and he starts promoting Jurex condoms as a post-try celebration. It's what he should have worn in Surely, Bali last month.
2: Be, Surely yeah, at yeah. least it would be Canadian club. Come on.
1: I was thinking there is another, I mean, I don't know if you'd call it a sponsorship opportunity, but I, I do kind of feel like, and I've, I've seen this around a little bit, um, but uh, some some uh, uh, social media pages are, are basically putting like Rugby League Live 3 in PlayStation and simulating like, what the round would look like, you know, it'd be interesting. Every team nominate, has to nominate like their their, their champion um, uh, rugby league live player or something like that, and they need to uh, they need to uh, uh, compete for like a separate digital esports competition ladder each week.
0: You're an no idea. Well, dare I to nominate
2: you? Dylan Walker? <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, just whatever you do, don't pause his game of fucking Half Life or whatever he was playing Um, because he he doesn't react well to that, apparently. Allegedly. I don't know. Not that I've heard that. They've never heard that. I've never even said that. Um, Look, I'm going to go to Twitter very quickly, guys, because um, we did put it out to our listeners if NRL games should move to four 20-minute quarters to accommodate more sponsorship opportunities. 75% of our punters said no, they shouldn't. So they're all for halves at least uh, three-quarters of the people saying we should stick to two halves of footy. And only one person commenting on this, and that was Mark at MAPW78, who said, I would only agree to four 30-minute quarters. You're a madman, Mark. More after this. Welcome back to the Voluntary Tackle. We're talking wildcard weekends. Uh, only because it's been thrown up just as another harebrained suggestion as part of the NRL's Innovation Committee. Now, uh, the the genesis of this, lads, comes from the idea that if there is an abbreviated season, there's going to be more of a logjam, is the theory, of a lot of teams sort of stuck on the same amount of points. And I know this was tossed up last year and roundly shat on, as it should have been, Uh, but it's the idea that uh, you have ninth and 10th place play each other in a sudden death uh, game to play... 7th and 8th in the final series as a bit of a wildcard entry into the final series. Do you think that this idea, which before was previously really, really shit, um, actually has more merit now? We'll probably start with you, Mario.
2: I'm a little concerned about the idea in theory just because, as, I, as you said, it's a shit idea. But in a, say, 15-game 15, 15 comp, there probably is logic to it. You probably don't want for and against in such a short season to be the deciding factor, but I suppose it still could be between tenth and eleventh. So what is the point of it? So no, nah, Margaret, I'm against it. Get rid of it.
0: But you, you you raise a really valid point there, right? People are a little bit concerned that in this shortened competition, that for and against might be an, an overly determined criteria. To decide an entire team's season. Xander, do you see that as a potential issue to have all of these teams on the same amount of points if it is a competition which only goes, for example, half as long? Um, it seems maybe a bit unfair to award on, on differential. What, what are your thoughts on this? Is a wild card idea a remedy to that situation?
1: In a normal season, it's a shit idea, right? But in, in a scenario like this where it's A short and potentially going to be split up into conferences, then probably makes a bit more sense. Because the, the the conference system is going to be lumpy and unfair anyway. I mean, it's, it's it was one of the big criticisms of Super Rugby, frankly, that you know the conference system there like greatly advantage advantaged, uh, advantaged our conferences with with weak with teams like Australia, for example. Philosophically, I'm against it, but it, under special circumstances, I think it's uh, I think it's a reasonable solution.
0: Look, I think it's I guess the the big criticism for me that I've had against it when it was first raised was this sort of it undermining the integrity of the final series a little bit, you know, because already at the moment, I feel like we're pushing it by having a top eight in a 16 team competition. Just to finish in the top half means you get a crack at winning the title. That still in itself hasn't really sat well with me. So to actually extend that to ninth and 10th, I think it does sort of venture into the realms of making the competition a bit of a farce. Do you think, Mario, that it actually does sort of I don't know. Tear at the fabric of the competitive nature of NRL a little bit.
2: Well, to use the um, to use a well trodden uh, rugby league term, it just scream. It sounds a bit Mickey Mouse, and as, as you say, tenth place. You think of uh, was it twenty seventeen that the Warriors finished one finished eighth, but were one off the off first place. I think it was twenty twenty eighteen. and and sure that's one of those rare scenarios where the whole top eight were all pretty close but I'm pretty sure from memory tenth was something like six points eight points back you know they straight up didn't deserve to be in the same conversation and there's just no reason for it and this is just and do we need an extra game in a situation where we're already on a time crunch in terms of getting all the games in?
0: You know what, that's a great point and that's the thing that I actually thought about straight away. I thought it was really counterintuitive to, we're we're really stuck for time and the idea of playing additional games didn't sit very well with me either. But I don't know if you guys have noticed, social media was lit up as soon as this idea was put out there because... Tigers fans immediately became very enamored with the idea because, <laughs> you know, they go, finally, we could make the final series. But as one Tigers fan lamented, I saw on Twitter, I, forgive me, I don't remember the username, but it was it would probably finish 11th. We did put this one out to social as well. We asked, do you like the idea of a wildcard weekend final series? And 26% said yes and 74% no. So the split in percentages has actually been fairly consistent across all of the questions. I hope it's not a Twitter glitch. Um, But there are a number of comments under here. I haven't read them, so I'm reading them live. Uh, One-Eyed Tiger says, no is the right answer. Well done. Bring Back the NRL said, only for this year, due to the shortened season, therefore sides have less time to come good. Usually I'd be extremely opposed. So that's sort of where we are. Uh, Roostar said, it's the game, it turns the game into a circus. Uh, John Hashtag Green Machine said, I believe a knockout comp with all teams, no matter what level, play over four weeks to decide the premiership. So he's just proposing a completely different idea by the look of that. He said, I want a knockout comp with all teams, no matter what level, to play over four weeks. So he wants to completely change the comp. Sorry, Xander.
1: It's what they do. in the. He's basically proposing the Challenge Cup model in the UK.
0: Okay, yeah, I think you're right. That's what he might be getting at, actually. But we don't have three divisions. We
1: have, you know, we have the NRL.
0: We definitely have a Division three though, Xander. I have to pick you up on that. They're called the Gold Coast Titans. You know, this is, I think, what the most succinct and most uh, apt uh, comment is under here. This comes from Steve at the Steve Empire, who said the top eight is already a top five with three wild cards. He might have a point there, right? We've already got sort of three teams that probably don't stand a chance making most final series. What do you think of that, Mario?
2: I mean, generally speaking, he's right, but I I think I don't think anyone would say that last year Manly being in sixth place were no chance going into the finals. So, you know, last year it was a unique situation where the top six were very clearly ahead of seventh place, where seventh was just a bit of a joke. Mm. Shout out to all Sharks fans. Um, But generally speaking, a top five is a it just does feel like a better a better system, a better number for a sixteen team comp. Top five, top six something like that.
0: Yep, and way to cite precedent there because you're right, Manly were, uh, did they come sixth last year? I couldn't quite remember their position, but they were certainly an extremely competitive side. I actually thought they finished higher.
2: No, we, we, were, we were, it was us versus Parramatta in the last round. Winner got fifth place and we lost.
0: As, as Salid Dion very famously said, it's all coming back to me now. Um, I'm just here to cite Celine Dion songs because I love listening to her in the tub. Uh, Look, I'm going to go straight into the next one. And this is actually something that Xander brought up uh, a little while ago. And this was about the idea of a billionaire or American investors coming in and rescuing the NRL. Now, there was an interesting article during the week uh, that suggested Andrew Klein, who is a founder and managing director of a company called Park Lane, which already sounds quite aristocratic in itself, doesn't it? It's a firm that specializes in helping high net worth individuals become owners of sporting franchises. He says that a number of clients of his are actually interested in buying an Australian league or team and that the NRL is actually on the shortlist. I'm going to go to you, Andrew, on this one to start off with. If an offer like this came through where someone was extremely wealthy and was willing to bankroll the NRL, would that be a good idea for the competition to take on that kind of investment?
1: It would come down to who it was from, um, to be completely blunt.
0: Nathan Tinkler.
1: I don't think he could afford a pair of shoes at this point. I think there's a number of risks. I mean, you, you, you really do centralise a lot of your, um, you know, like, I mean, the game at, at the moment obviously survives on its broadcast revenue and, and, um, and what the clubs are able to generate. If you were to bring in a billionaire owner, I mean, they would bring a number of advantages. They would bring the network and all kinds of things like that. But you also bring all of their eccentricities and also all of the, um, you know, all of the all of the risks that their own wealth is exposed to, and so what happens if if that all um, falls down, uh, say, due to a global pandemic. Um, so I think I think um, I think there could be benefits just because the uh, the billionaire owners in the u.s when they do buy teams and leagues and things like that they tend to they tend to take fairly innovative approaches to um rehabilitating sides and and uh, making something of them because they, they sink a lot of money into them thinking that they'll actually turn them like make them um more profit uh generating in the long term but also because they love sports so i think there's a benefit there but um the warrior have, apart from the uh, the risks around their finances and and things going awry, their lack of appreciation for the the environment here. So the US do pick up teams and put them into new markets without really much concern for the fan bases. Um, we've seen that happen here with mergers. It, it doesn't go down as well here as it as it goes in the US, where I think they're kind of culturally a little bit more accepting of that. So I can see them doing that, not really appreciating the environment. So there's Pros and cons to
0: it. I like what you're saying there, Xander. That's that certainly, I, I had some very uh, big reservations about this idea myself. I think it kind of, you always got to be aware of um, taking cash like this in times of crisis when you really need it. You don't tend to have the most clear judgment uh, process when you desperately need cash. And as you said, the US kind of have this tradition, don't they, of um, you know sometimes implementing quite radical plans. Could you have a case where? the Dragons are relocated to Albuquerque. You just don't know. Um, Mario, do you feel the same thing, that there's a bit of a danger in, I guess, ceding over our control of the NRL to a foreign agent?
2: I'm all for it because we need a way for our clubs to stop running the game because the clubs suck and all they care about is each individual club. If someone is looking at the game as a whole and they actually have the power to do it, and if that means moving... You know, a team to wherever, then so be it. If that team is not profitable, move it. And that includes my own team.
0: Wow. So you're willing to put your, your, your skin in the game there and say you'd be okay with Manly being relocated so long as there's a structural change in the NRL. Xander, what do you think of that? Mario's actually been quite forthright there saying that, uh, and obviously this has been an ongoing issue in the NRL about clubs having too much control and there should be um, and, and and more structure in place for the NRL to actually t- make these bigger decisions. Could this precipitate that to have a, a foreign agent come in and essentially purchase the game, therefore taking a lot of that control out of the club's hands? Do you think there could be a silver lining there?
1: I think the silver lining would be not if they bought the game, but in uh, struggling clubs. So I do like the idea. I agree with. Um, I agree with Mario in um, that. Say if a uh, an American billionaire were to come in and buy the sharks and decided they wanted to make them a reputable band uh, brand. Um, so you know, like they got rid of the peptides as a start. That's um, <laughs> good. of the management, <laughs> um, but you know, they thought, well, maybe the Shire isn't the best, most reputable place. It's where the, the prime minister's uh, electorate is after all. Um, so they they decided to um, I don't know uh, send them to Perth as an expansion employee. I um, just feel
2: like um, an American coming in. With the Sharks, you know, so I don't imagine Americans saying, oh, the Sharks are too racist, so we, we, can't, we can't have that because, let's be real. It
1: depends what, where the billionaire is from. If they're a tech billionaire, they probably would, um, you know, uh, that maybe they would see it as a fixer-upper and they would want to give it you know, a bit of a...
0: If it was a tech billionaire, they they demand inclusion. They'd demand quotas for people of colour in the Sharks team, which is and Sharks fans, which would be difficult down there because it is very, very white. This is
1: true, which is why maybe you want to send them uh, somewhere more exotic. Um, I mean, I would say Perth, but that's pretty white too. Um, A lot of South Africans, in fact, maybe it's even less tolerant. (laughs) Somewhere else. Tasmania.
0: Guys, do you have a a billionaire of choice that you think would be the ideal candidate to purchase the NRL? Is there someone along the lines of of a, a Warren Buffett, for example, or would you like to see a Mark Zuckerberg? Um, who would you like to see, Mario, if you could choose in this thought experiment, the person who became the owner of the NRL in your wildest dreams, bizarre dream, but anyway, who would you like to see purchase the NRL?
2: Well, given my earlier talk about us playing on the moon, I think it's pretty obviously Elon Musk.
0: I fucking love Elon Musk. Is that, is that weird, or, weird? I take issue with that.
1: It's, it's, it, it is not obviously Elon Musk. It could equally be Jeff Bezos. He's got his own rocket company as well, just for the record.
0: Oh, right, and guys, I'm going to throw it in there. So Richard Branson, he's got Virgin Galactic. So basically, we want it to be a space entrepreneur. That's unusually niche for all three of us.
1: Well, I mean, I, I would say, I mean, in all seriousness, I would love to see a guy like Mark Cuban, um, who obviously has a track record, uh, owning uh, professional sports teams,
0: I agree with you, I like Mark Cuban as well, but I think if you chose him to be the person to purchase uh, a club or the NRL, that they, I think clubs should be made to pitch on the Shark Tank. They'd have to put forward their business case for why they should be the club to be purchased by Mark Cuban. So, for example, I don't know, Mario, you're a Manly fan. What what would the Manly Seagulls say to Mark Cuban to get him to buy them?
2: I can't imagine. The Manly Seagulls, the whole... Insular Peninsula and the way we've always been run, we straight up just wouldn't want it. I mean, let's face it, the, the people we're courting right now to to take over are, are a rubbish company, URM. So uh, <laughs> make of that what you will, but I can't imagine us going, you know, wanting an outsider to be involved. We only want, you know, manly people.
0: Yeah, that is That is actually a good point. Manly do have a, a history of wanting to sort of keep it in-house. Uh, we're going to finish this segment with you, though, Xander. Say another, again, another thought experiment, you're trying to sell the Gold Coast Titans to Mark Cuban on the Shark Tank, what are your big selling points? I think,
1: I think if you're pitching to a guy like that, you would, um, you'd probably focus on everything but the football. Very, there's, there's, no, there's no football side that's yet managed to get a real foothold in there. You would focus entirely on its potential and not on its track record.
0: I love it. And you just say to him, look, we got rid of our major liability. Jared Hayne was exiled a couple of years ago. More after this. Oh, yeah. Welcome back to the Voluntary Tackle. Well, it's time to revive a segment we haven't had on the show for quite some time. It's called Ban'em, Praise'em or Fine'em. Ben- That's right it was a a segment created with one Chip Jones that is Chip Jones that you just heard there on the guitar and uh, using an unusually high falsetto and in fact I saw him record that live and to get that high that sort of Barry Gibb type high he did have to squeeze his nuts pretty hard so it's a shame you guys don't get to see that because it is a non-visual medium but nonetheless we've got basically five scenarios here that I'm going to present to Xander and Mario and I want to know if these people should be banned, praised, or fined. The first one uh, is regarding Millie Mason. Now, Willie Mason, in this scenario, is caught deliberately coughing on tampons in a supermarket before surreptitiously replacing them in the packet and continuing on his way. I want to know, I'll start with you, Mario. Should he be banned for that, praised, or fined?
2: That is just such a random thing, but... Be, but... Willie Mason is usually completely full of shit. So anything he's breathing on is going to get fe- you know, fecal matter all over it. So I think that is a breach of the current rules and therefore he should be fined.
1: I feel like there needs to be a fourth option. Um, <laughs> is, 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 is there a gallows option? The fourth option is probably the penguin solution that Mario mentioned earlier.
0: It's, it's very North Korea, but I actually think it's justified in this instance. Look, scenario two, uh, this is... Ben Hunt. Now, he's found to be in possession of a collection of Hey Dad off-cut DVDs, many of which include Robert Hughes uh, acting super creepy around the youngest character, Jenny. Um, I'm going to start with you this time, Xander. Should Ben Hunt, in this case, be banned, praised or fined?
1: What is he doing with the collection?
0: He's watching them and really enjoying the fact that Robert Hughes is really creepy. Um, I'm going
1: to have to go back to the blender, mate. The three options you've got don't don't do it.
0: What about you, Mario? What should happen to Ben Hunt in this situation?
2: I'm a bit of a, I'm a, bit of a leave Ben Hunt alone sort of person. So I'm going to assume that he's actually got it because he's collecting evidence to get Robert Hughes put into jail for longer. So I'm going to say he should be praised.
0: I love it, Mario. You've assumed the best of Ben Hunt. Uh, And and in fact, I'd imagine he'd eventually drop the case because Ben Hunt generally drops everything. I'm going to go to scenario three. This is about Darren Lockyer. Now, Darren is secretly taped using a deep, velvety, baritone voice, meaning that he was actually faking his husky voice for his entire career. Xander, what should happen to Darren Lockyer there if it turns out he was fraudulently using a husky voice?
1: He should absolutely be praised because he clearly... Is such a such a competitive guy that he needed to compete with himself by giving himself a handicap to see if he could make it in broadcasting.
0: <laughs> I mean, it's an unusual lie, but I kind of respect it. What about you, Mario? Um,
2: I think he should be praised just for you know, in his post career, avoiding the um pitfalls of cocaine for a few moments of his life after the particular career he had, allegedly.
0: I mean, I just love the idea of Darren Lockyer sounding like Barry White. The juxtaposition is amazing. So, in a way, I actually want that to be true. I'd certainly praise him. Uh, look, going into the next one, video emerges online of Kalen Ponga making and distributing strawberry milkshakes squeezed from the mammary of a rare African hyena. Xander, uh, what should happen to Kalen there? Because that sounds outrageous.
1: Is a rare uh, hyena a euphemism for Nathan Brown?
0: I think at stages, uh, during Nathan Brown's tenure there, Caelan Ponga did actually squeeze milk from his nipples. I think that's where a lot of the friction came from.
1: That's so what I got the sense. I think he should be praised. I mean, really, you know, he's, he's making um, valuable use of a very uh, rare resource there.
2: Xander kind of beat me to it then. I, I think that he's, this is a clear money-making opportunity for the NRL in a time when we desperately need money.
0: Absolutely. He's just opening up new revenue streams. Good on you, Kalen Ponga. And look, the last one, guys, it involves, um, I guess, someone that Mario's a massive fan of, Cameron Smith. Now, he begins to advertise the use of pureed anchovy spread as a lip balm because he believes it will actually stop the spread of COVID-19. Mario, we're going to start with you because you are such a big fan of Cameron. Um, What should happen to him in this instance?
2: Well, I mean, to be honest, this scenario sounds more like a Frank Winnerstein or Bryce Cartwright thing. As much as I do loathe Cameron Smith, he's more into other other things, you know, being in charge of the game, each individual game and thinking he's king shit for just, you know, being a cheating piece of shit. So (laughs) on that note, I'm just going to say send him to Macquarie Island with the Penguins just because I hate him. Sorry, what was your question
0: again? Do you know what I loved about that, Mario? I loved the fact that it didn't really matter what the, what the ban and praise him or fine him was. You were just going to call him a cheating piece of shit, no matter what. Xander, um, what about you to finish off?
1: I would I would like to say he should be banned, but I have a sense in in the current political environment he'd probably be praised and given a very cushy job in a health department in a particularly uh, unsavoury administration. Ban-
0: Uh, Boys, this actually brings us to the end of the show. Uh, We're we're sort of running out of time to tackle those fast little bits that we had. But um, thank you so much for joining the Voluntary Tackle today. Do you have any uh, lasting advice to give to the listeners before we chat again?
2: Advice is stay the
0: fuck home. I love it. And do you know what? It needed the word fuck in there to really get the message home. What about you, Xander?
1: Yeah, look, don't look up that bingo porn. It's, It's actually a little overrated
0: unless that delightful Lindy Chamberlain's involved. And before we go, I'd just like to give a big shout-out to Gary Jardura, who has authored a great little book called Rugby League is the Winner, containing more than 700 classic rugby league cliches. You can get your hands on it at www.rugbyleagueisthewinner.com. It's a great little book. I was lucky enough to uh, have a preview copy, and it's, it's fantastic for any NRL fan. You'll get a lot out of it, especially during this period of sustained lockdown. So a big thank you again for joining us today on The Voluntary Tackle and please do keep up with us on the socials via the handle at voluntary tackle, and ask us any questions on the hashtag AskTVT. See you next time.
1: <laughs> yeah, good, mate. I've, I've just got my dog attacking me. <laughs> oh, wow. We're not going to hear an audio mauling, are we? Um, she... <laughs> Maybe. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <Wow, laughs> He's an English bull terrier Here's the thing um, Xander's telling you that's his dog But of course this could just be very, very love Lovemaking um, By the way, has the dog stopped licking your balls Xander, are we ready to go? <laughs> I'm just throwing her out here
2: He's run out of peanut butter now
1: Trust me, um, you do not want to do the peanut butter game with a bull terrier, I can tell you that. There's a man in the it, <laughs> Unless it's crunchy. <laughs>